Turn with me, please, to John chapter 5. Understanding the law of God is an important part of Christian life. We have to understand the law of God. And the reason we have to understand the law of God is because, now this may sound obvious, but if we don't understand the law of God, then we can't obey the law of God. Right? This morning's text is an example of Jesus forcing us to improve our understanding of God's law. There's no way to go to make it through this passage without being challenged to grow in our understanding, our knowledge, grow in wisdom of what God's law requires of us. And so I want you to leave today with a greater knowledge and understanding of God's law. That's my goal. But more than that, much more than that, more importantly, I want you to leave today with a greater love for God's law. A commitment to study it more carefully because of your love for God. So please stand for the reading of God's Word from John chapter 5. We'll be reading the first 17 verses. After these things, there was a feast of the Jews, and Jesus went up to Jerusalem. Now there is in Jerusalem, by the sheep gate, a pool, which is called in Hebrew Bethesda, having five porticos. In these lay a multitude of those who were sick, blind, lame and withered, waiting for the moving of the waters. For an angel of the Lord went down at certain seasons into the pool and stirred up the water. Whoever then first, after the stirring up of the water, stepped in, was made well from whatever disease with which he was afflicted. I just want to stop here and say that for a long time, people pointed to this passage, to this verse, and said, see, this is all a bunch of made-up nonsense. There's no evidence of any such pool or porticos near anywhere near the Sheep Gate until 2014 when they found it. Okay, we'll keep going now. <clears throat> A man was there who had been ill for 38 years. When Jesus saw him lying there and knew that he had already been a long time in that condition, he said to him, do you wish to get well? The sick man answered him, Sir, I have no man to put me into the pool when the water is stirred up, but while I'm coming, another steps down before me. Jesus said to him, Get up, pick up your pallet, and walk. Immediately the man became well and picked up his pallet and began to walk. Now it was the Sabbath on that day. So the Jews were saying to the man who is cured, It is the Sabbath, and it is not permissible for you to carry your pallet. But he answered them, 
He who made me well was the one who said to me, Pick up your pallet and walk. They asked him, Who is the man who said to you, Pick up your pallet and walk? But the man who was healed did not know who it was, for Jesus had slipped away while there was a crowd in that place. Afterward, Jesus found him in the temple and said to him, Behold, you have become well. Do not sin anymore, so that nothing worse happens to you. The man went away and told the Jews that it was Jesus who had made him well. For this reason, the Jews were persecuting Jesus, because he was doing these things on the Sabbath. But he answered them, My father is working until now, and I myself am working. This is the word of the Lord. You may be seated. Today's sermon could have been so simple. Somehow it took me two weeks to prepare it. It could have been so simple. The Jews were so dumb. They thought that keeping the Sabbath holy meant they couldn't carry things around on the Sabbath. As Jesus shows us here, it obviously didn't mean that. They just cared too much about keeping the law. Thankfully, we don't have to keep the law anymore, especially not anything related to the Sabbath. The end. Wouldn't that have been a nice, simple sermon? It would have made us feel very good about ourselves, right? So much better than those stupid Jews. And nothing to do except sit and feel good about ourselves. Unfortunately, it would not have been biblical. It wouldn't have had anything to do with our text. And so that's not the sermon that, that I have to preach to you. Rather, I get to preach to you a rather more complex sermon, but one that will actually be beneficial to us and biblical. Do you know God's law? That's what I want to start out asking you this morning. Do you know God's law? In our house, we love to listen to the new album from My Soul Among Lions, Psalms 1 through 10, and the first psalm, of course. Whether you've heard the album or not, you know that the first psalm is all about what? The man who loves God's law and the benefit that comes to him from knowing and loving God's law, right? So is that us, or do we just like to sing about it? We look down on the Jews, and especially the Pharisees, because they didn't understand God's law properly, but at least they knew God's law. We struggle today with even basic knowledge of God's word. That was not a problem that they had. Now, don't hear me saying that they had great understanding. But again, at least they knew what it said. 
their knowledge of the Old Testament and of God's law put us to shame today, myself included. So, for example, did you know that this is in the Old Testament? Thus says the Lord. Take heed for yourselves and do not carry any load on the Sabbath day or bring anything in through the gates of Jerusalem. You shall not bring a load out of your houses on the Sabbath day, nor do any work, but keep the Sabbath day holy as I commanded your forefathers. Oh, is that where they got that? It doesn't sound so stupid anymore, does it? You can't carry around your pallet. Well, why not? Haven't you ever read Jeremiah? No, it's not, it's not insane for them to say to this man, you can't carry your pallet around on the Sabbath. We often want to have a simple grid for understanding God's law. Okay? That grid, depending on our ability to how many things we can keep in our mind at once, we might be satisfied with it being a 1,000 by 1,000 grid. Right? As long as it's all filled in and all of the places that we can think of, we can check and cross-reference and see what we're supposed to do in every given circumstance, right? For myself, mine would have to be a lot smaller. Say, 10 by 10, max. I can't keep more than that in my mind. As long as we've got that grid, though, that we can filter things through and come up with the right answer for every given situation that we face, then we'd be happy. The problem is that our desire for such a simple law comes from a lack of love for God's law. The reason that we want it to be simple is because we don't want to have to actually work at and study the law of God. Does that make sense? We just want it to be easy. I don't like this. This is hard. It's miserable. Just let me know what I'm supposed to do, all right? I don't know. I don't want to have to study it. But that's not the attitude of someone who loves the law of God, is it? Dwelling on it day and night. The whole point is so that we don't have to dwell on it day and night. We can just use it as a simple cross-reference later on when we have a question of what we're supposed to do. Column C, line LL, right? There we go. It says turn left. Got it. Then we don't have to love the law. We can just look it up. God's law is really simple. 
It's really very, very simple. Do what God wants every single time. Do what God wants. That's it. But when I simplify the law that way, it immediately leads us into the complexity of the question of what is God's will in this circumstance, right? And so I've, I've suddenly yanked the, the, the rug out from under us, the rug that we wanted to use as, you know, our nice, solid, we're going to look up cross-references on this thing and we're going to find out exactly what's at every given spot. And now all of a sudden we're thrown into that morass of what is God's will in this situation, which of course everybody understands to be a very difficult thing to figure out. And that's what I'm trying to get you to do. I want you to understand, yeah, in a sense it's simple. It's do what God wants. That's what his law is about, teaching us what he wants. Psalm 19.7 says, The law of the Lord is perfect, restoring the soul. The testimony of the Lord is sure, making wise the simple. That's the work that we need to be engaged in. Growing out of simpleness, simple-mindedness, into wisdom. It's not good for us to remain Simple. We're supposed to become wise. How do we become wise? Psalm 19.7 says, The testimony of the Lord is sure, making wise the simple. We grow out of simpleness into wisdom by studying the testimony of the Lord. We're being restored by dwelling on the perfect law of God. We're restored by dwelling on the perfect law of God. So in the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus forces us to apply the law more broadly than our grid allows for. Right? All of a sudden, he makes it clear that there's places that our grid, we never even dreamed of making our grid go. The law is so much broader. Now, all of a sudden, adultery and murder are sins we can commit in our heart, not just with our bodies. But in our text this morning, Jesus forces us to apply the law more narrowly than our simple grid allows. What do I mean by applying the law more narrowly? Well, are you allowed to carry around a burden on the Sabbath or aren't you? Must must this man keep the Sabbath? Must Jesus keep the Sabbath? Yeah, absolutely. 
And even if you want to say that something changed about the Sabbath, the, the fact of the matter is, that has nothing to do with this passage, because if something changed, it didn't change yet. Okay? So there's no escaping the fact that this man is still required to keep the Sabbath. And Jesus tells him, stand up, pick up your mat, pick up your pallet, and walk. And that's why we assume, oh, well, you know, there can't be anywhere on the grid of the law of the Sabbath interpretation that has anything to do with carrying things around. Obviously, that's not what God meant about keeping the Sabbath holy until all of a sudden you go back and you read in Jeremiah or you read in Nehemiah that that's explicitly made a, a problem that the people were doing this and the command is given, don't do it. Jesus did not come to abolish the law, and he's not making a change to the Sabbath law here. Nor is Jesus commanding this man to disobey God's law. And yet, Jesus' command to this man is to carry a load on the Sabbath. So what's going on? Now, I know what you want to do, because it's what what I want to do. Let's just take that subsquare in our grid, right? And let's just break it into an, another grid. We make a new grid inside that and apply it, you know, then we don't have to say that it's applied more narrowly than our grid allows for. We can just make smaller little grids inside our little grid and we can say, well, you know, it wasn't enough weight to matter. It's just a pallet, right? It's okay for you to carry around a pallet as long as you don't, you know, try to carry around your trunk with your pallet. Isn't that what you want to say? Oh, but come on, it can't really be that big a deal. He's just carrying around his pallet. That's, they're making a big deal out of something that's a little deal. That's the problem. It's not that much weight. It's not that big a deal. Quit making such a big deal out of it. We have our own little grid, and we're going we're to figure out where it falls on that grid, right? But here's the thing. This is exactly what the Pharisees and the Jews had done. They had gone into great detail of figuring out what did and didn't matter. They had made their nice little subgrid and filled all the little X's and O's in. This is okay, this isn't okay, walk this far, don't walk this far, carry this much, not that, don't carry this, never go this far with this, you can carry this amount but not this far. And all of the little rules were all filled in very nicely and guess what? It came right down to it, and this man picked up his pallet, and they said, nope, that's not on the list of regulatory principles that are allowed. This is exactly what we want to do. We want to solve it the way the Jews solved it, and say, well, they just solved it wrong. They didn't solve it wrong. It can't be solved that way. So Jesus tells him to pick up his mat, 
And what does that command from Jesus teach us? A lot of things, actually. And the question is, do we want to know or not? Do we want to know about God's law, or do we want to just have a little cross-reference that we can look up? That command from Jesus to this lame man makes clear that the law concerning the Sabbath, the rule that God gave to his people of keep the Sabbath holy, okay? That command of Sabbath rest has a principle behind it. That's one of the things we learn. And what else do we learn? Well, we learn that that principle is for our benefit. And we learn that that principle is for the glory of God. And we learn that that principle is rooted in the character of God. And it's the legalist that says no to Jesus when Jesus says, stand up, pick up your mat, and walk. Oh no, I couldn't do that, Jesus. That would be breaking the law. That's how we would respond. If we had our nice little checklist of this in this circumstance and not that and the other, and you're like, oh, well, but there's this other, there's this other column over here that says, except when Jesus says, right? That's just yes, the whole column. You don't have to look anything up in there. It's just yes. Well, it's true, yeah. I mean, if Jesus says, stand up, what do you do? You stand up. You don't have to think about it. That whole column is yes, do it right away, immediately. But is everything that simple? Is that really how it works? We just look it up in the, in, you know. Can't seem to find this one. I better, I better keep filling in, making new rules, making new laws. Oh, no, I already filled that one in. We've been settled on this one since back in Jeremiah's time, God. Can't pick up my pallet. That would be breaking the Sabbath. Well, the lame man obeyed Jesus and obeyed God and kept God's law concerning the Sabbath. How? By picking up his mat and walking. That was him keeping the sabbath okay this wasn't some sort of this wasn't some sort of like existential let's walk off the cliff into la la land and be like well whatever was going on there i don't know it doesn't matter we still know we've got to keep the sabbath regardless of whatever he was doing no that was us that, that if we did that that would be us refusing to learn how to keep the sabbath because this man obeyed Jesus, therefore he was keeping the law, therefore he was fulfilling the command to make the Sabbath holy. So what does this mean? 
Well, I know the other way we want to solve this, right? <clears throat> the other way we want to solve this is be like, aha, okay, well, that means that carrying around your pallet on the Sabbath is not a violation of the Sabbath. Because clearly, Jesus could not have commanded him to carry his pallet around on the Sabbath if carrying your pallet around on the Sabbath is a violation of the Sabbath. It's reason. It's just, it's just simple logic, right? Not so fast. Does Jeremiah apply or not? Does the command of God to his people stop carrying stuff around on the Sabbath matter? Or has it just been thrown away? No, it matters. It hasn't just been thrown away, and it's not being broken. So what this requires is wisdom. It requires us to know the law, and not just to know what it says, but to know what the principles behind it are, and not just to know what the principles are behind it, but how to apply them. This is hard. Much harder than looking something up in a little cross-reference column by row. Normally, you shouldn't carry around a load on the Sabbath. You can state it universally. Don't carry things around on the Sabbath. Stop doing that work. This is not a problem for me to speak this way, right? But that's, that's an appropriate way for that man to understand the law. It's an appropriate way for the Jews to understand the law. But when you find yourself stuck on your bed out in public on the Sabbath and you get healed by Jesus, and he says to you, stand up and carry your pallet around, what should you do? You should carry your pallet around. Now why would Jesus tell him to carry his pallet around? so that the Jews would learn how to actually keep the Sabbath. Do you see? He wants everyone to see this man walking around with his pallet. He knows what they're going to say. You can't do that. Everybody knows the rules. You're not allowed to do that. And the guy's going to say, what? But the guy who healed me told me to. Who am I to disobey him? He doesn't even know who Jesus is, but he knows, wait a minute, no, I am totally justified in walking around with my mat right now. The guy who healed me, you know, I was lame 38 years. The guy who healed me, yeah, he's the one who told me to carry my mat around. I'm going to carry my mat around, okay? This is just not, I'm not, I'm not out on a limb here. I'm not compromising. I'm carrying my mat. Thank you very much. And what does he do? He gets up, 
and he goes to worship at the temple. That's where Jesus finds him later. Something he had no hope of doing five minutes earlier. On the Sabbath, What does he give himself to? He gives himself to worshiping God with his people in the temple. Jesus healing him and telling him to get up and to put his, take his stuff home and put it away allows him to do this. How can this be opposed to keeping the Sabbath holy? It can't. You see, how, you see how the principle has to be understood before we can understand what is going on and what we're supposed to do? So much to say about this. <clears throat> Listen, when we stop caring about what God wants, when we stop caring about what God wants and start wanting to have certain rules that we can lay in front of ourselves to guarantee that we're doing the right thing, there's a problem. We've actually given up on obedience at that point. In a lot of ways, the Roman Catholic Church today has a greater understanding of God's law than many evangelicals. They understand that God made sex in part for procreation. And there's not that many people who understand that simple truth. Okay? But then they encourage a couple to deny one another in their quest for obedience. And if you don't know how, that's fine, but just trust me. This is the outcome of the legalism that they have. The checkboxes. In this circumstance, in this context, blump, 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 blump. Therefore, you're not to be with one another. Wait, what? They're like the Pharisees. They know the law. They know it better than we do, and yet they've given up on obedience to it. What they want is a way that they can simply have a set of rules so they know in every circumstance they're doing the right thing. And so they end up going in direct contradiction of God's plain command and desire for marriage, do not deny one another, right? This is always what happens when we give up the principles and we start following the rules. The rule says this and this and this and this and this, and then you're like, oh, okay, therefore, I am to do sub-column A, this. 
You go back to Scripture and it says, don't deprive one another. Oh, well, I must not be. I must not be disobeying because I'm obeying. No, you're disobeying. The principles, understand them, seek them, apply them with wisdom. Another place where you see this with the Roman Catholic Church, they understand man should not murder. Great. They understand it better than many evangelicals. Great. And so they oppose the death penalty. No, this is in complete contradiction of the principle behind do not murder. I'm not going to go into why right now. I'm just telling you, you need to understand this. You need to be smarter, better understanding, more discerning, more righteous than the Roman Catholics, or you will not enter the kingdom of heaven. You have to obey the law more carefully than the fundamental Baptists. Or you won't inherit the kingdom of heaven. And that's not because you enter into the kingdom of heaven by your righteousness, by obedience to the law. Okay? But our righteousness must be greater than the scribes and the Pharisees. And they had an understanding of the law far superior to ours. But they they weren't seeking God. And so this is this is what we end up this is where the beauty is this man is healed by faith. Okay? This the, the passage doesn't say anything about his faith, but it, you but you see his faith. Because what does he do? He stands up, he obeys Jesus. That's the visible manifestation of his faith, right? So he stands up, he walks, he carries his pallet, and all of that is by virtue of the faith that is within him. And so our obedience is an act of faith. Our obedience is not tied to this infinite set of little cross columns and rules that we can look up. It's about faith. Do you want to know what obedience looks like today concerning the Sabbath? Or do you just want a set of rules of what you can and can't do? Do you want to grow in your understanding of what God requires of you concerning marriage, concerning your sexuality, concerning your children, do you, want to, do you want to grow in your knowledge and your understanding? Do you want to know what the principles are? Do you want to learn how to apply them better? Or do you just want a set of rules to follow? 
if you just want a set of rules to follow, if I become convinced that that's what you want, I'll begin to answer all of your questions with, I'm not going to tell you what to do. I'm not going to tell you what to do. I will not let you out of the vice grip of the necessity of faith in your actions. You must live by faith. You must seek to obey by faith. And yeah, it may look completely different than all of the other people around you who aren't carrying their pallets. And that shouldn't bother you. You should be just like that man. Because he knew that his healer had told him, stand up, walk, take your pallet. We've got to do a better job of understanding and applying God's law than the Pharisees, or we're going to end up like them, hating the messengers of God and opposing his direct command through his servant and our Lord Jesus Christ. That's what they ended up doing. That's how everybody responded to this man obeying Jesus Christ. So you've got to grow in, in your love and your desire for knowledge of God's law. But remember what I said at the beginning, even more than that, even more than that, what do you need to have? You need to have a love for God. If you love God, that will cause you to care what he wants. Listen, the employee that hates his boss just wants a list, thank you. Just tell me what to do so I can get it done. So that you can claim that you're righteous. I did what was required of me, all right? You gave me the checklist, I kept the checklist, I'm done. Goodbye, it's 5 o'clock. I hate you. That's the, that's the attitude of the person that wants a checklist. The employee that loves his boss wants to know how he can be a help to his boss. He wants to know what his boss wants him to do. Yeah, that still includes lists of things to do. Right? But the goal isn't checking off the things on the list so that you can say, I'm done, I did my duty, I'm righteous. The goal is pleasing the boss. Why? Well, because you love him. And the loving employee notices when the situation isn't covered by the list and does what he knows the boss would want him to do in that situation or what he thinks the boss would want him to do in that situation. <laughs> How is he going to do that if he hasn't 
studied the principles behind the list the boss gave him in the first place. That's how you're going to figure it out, right? Well, you know, I really like you, boss, and I know you gave me this list of things to do. I don't know what they have to do with anything, but I do my best to just keep doing them. What kind of love is that? Give it some thought, man. Do you realize how helpful you could be to me if you just thought about your work? About why I asked you to do that that way? Learn the principles that generated the list in the first place. Learn to know me and what's important to me so that you know when I couldn't care less about the list and I just want you to be thinking about something else entirely. That comes from love. If you love him, you keep his commandments. How do you keep his commandments? By knowing what they are. And more importantly, by faith. What's your relationship with God like? Do you just want to list from him? You just want to know the right way to discipline your son? If he could just tell you the right way to discipline your son, and you could just have that and keep doing it and checking it off the list, that would be an indication that you don't actually love God. That's what it would be. <laughs> that you don't actually care to learn, to study, to understand, to grow in wisdom and faith. You don't want to know what your Heavenly Father is really like and how to be more like Him. You just want a list. Thank you. And then when I say that there isn't a right way, are you tempted to deny that there's any requirement at all? Oh, so you're saying I can just carry around anything I want on the Sabbath, right? That has to be what you mean. That's the only solution. I can't be expected to discipline my son if there's no right answer. That's not the response of someone who loves God, is it? Rather than simply demanding a list of rules that we can keep so we can say we've done our duty. How about this? How about we love God and then keep his commandments by faith? Just like this lame man. Knowing that sometimes it's going to be awfully weird 
just like this lame man. Knowing that it doesn't mean that we're off the hook. No, this is, this is obedience. Jesus said to do it. And it flows out of our great love for him because look what he's done for us. Amen? Let's pray.